and welcome to Uncharted Territory, no, episode number 14, brought to you by the gentleman known informally as the Legends Team of Legends of Wrestling fame. And while we're on that, let's have each of you go around the Zoom room and introduce yourselves to our listening audience, as is our tradition. So going left, right on my Zoom screen, let's go from that fine or go to that fine gentleman from Buffalo, New York. Tim Dalton, how are you this evening? Doing well, Stu. Doing well. Enjoying another uh, Bills victory. Hoping for uh, two more uh, down the road, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, another uh, spectacular, uh, you know, uh, victory Monday for the uh, for the Bills Mafia. So uh, that that definitely changes the mood around uh, around the city. So we're we're doing pretty well, even though we got a little bit of snow coming. <laughs> a little bit of snow is. <laughs> What does that really mean in Buffalo speak? Under, under like six <laughs> feet, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Tim. I'm pulling for those bills, by the by. Uh, next, we have Corey Olson. How are you this evening, Corey? I'm doing well, Stu. How are you? I'm just splendid. Thank you. Good, good. Promoters, welcome. Thanks for tuning in once again. Uh, it's very cold here in Minnesota, and even by Minnesota standards, it got colder today. Uh, got down to about nine. Um <laughs> Yeah, so came, came, came out of school, came out of wrestling practice, and it was uh, very, very cold. And uh, yeah, so, but that's okay. We're doing okay. We're back. We're back here for another exciting episode of Uncharted Territory and happy to be with you promoters. Thank you, Corey. And you can keep those nine degree temps. Chad Olson, how are you, sir? Doing awesome. Tim, you got to tell them about the sweet Bill's shirt I hooked you on to today. It's true. It, uh, I, I, Chad sent me a text and, and I'm like, where the heck did you find this shirt? And uh, surprisingly, it's the Blue Meanie uh, selling and, and it's a BWO shirt, but it's Bill's World Order uh, with a little hashtag to the Bill's Mafia. Uh, so so that, was a, that was a quick impulse buy this morning. Uh, that, that, was, uh, that was an easy one. So but thank you, Chad. I saw it on the tweet. I saw it on the tweet machine yesterday and said, I need to show my friend Tim. I'm this. digging that. Anybody who wants that. one, you can purchase it from Blue Mini Shop on ProWrestlingTees.com. That's ProWrestlingTees.com. <laughs> Not an official we, sponsor, but we're happy to plug them. When are we going to get official sponsors? <laughs> we, we, we plug people and they don't give us money. Yeah. We're the biggest we're, idiots We're generous ever. people. You want to plug? We really don't have any no degrees. Money. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't really understand how this advertising. We, we, we hire works. a marketing department, but we don't have the money to hire a marketing department. So. Well, exactly. I, I we believe it was agent. blue. I believe it was blue mini who said, "Where'd we get the money?" <laughs> he did. <laughs> oh wait, we're getting Stuart. Stuart, we need an eggnog update. Yes, you, you have some. How much is left in the Lowry? eggnog seller well, the current eggnog situation is uh or the current eggnog inventory i should say is one more carton of eggnog is left we got a two for one at the grocery store hard to believe that the eggnog this time of year is selling at such rock bottom prices but we've got it and we're drinking it and uh it'll last into february baby i hope to make one more episode with eggnog as my drink of choice for uncharted territory looking forward to that you, Stu, it's, my, it's my goal that by the time we get to St. Patrick's Day, you're still drinking eggnog. <laughs> Sincerely open. This is like 
this is like the week after St. Patrick's Day when you can make a killing on corned beef. That's that's what I'll be stocking yes. up on. Come March, I'm going to be chowing on corned beef every freaking episode. Beef and eggnog. Can't get any better than that. So that is tonight's eggnog update. Gentlemen, welcome. Happy to have you all here. Happy to have all our loyal listeners. Uh, Corey, do we have any more, uh, do we have any new nations that have joined the uncharted territory nation? Not since I last looked. We're, we're still at six. And uh, promoters out there, if you are a member of the um, um, the U.S. minor outlying islands, and I'm going to look those up while we're here on the air and, and tell you, in case, in case you don't know that your island is categorized as one of the U.S. minor outlying island, islands, I want to know who, who tuned we're in. We're in there. denial. <laughs> <laughs> Can we possibly get the major islands? I mean, do we yeah, have well, to be you know. We need to hire a better marketing department. <laughs> We're getting an agent this year. So, <laughs> all right, gentlemen, thanks. Glad to have everybody on board. And let's let's get into the, the evening's conversation. First off, we uh, there has been recently announced that Nacho Berea is the official giveaway for the 2021 perennial tournament. I believe Corey Olson uh, signed the good nacho to uh, a legend's contract as it were happy to have nacho on board i don't know the first thing about nacho but give us a little background on nacho for and, and for any of those of us uh, or many of us who don't know nacho Barrera all that well well and, it, and just to be clear it's nacho Barrera, not no relation to tony guria oh, um, all right. <laughs> that's close no uh nacho I think <laughs> wait a wait give me an hour and i'll tell you um, Nacho, I found him on Facebook a while ago, uh, I think through another, uh, a, through a mutual friend. I don't even remember how I stumbled on him. I wasn't looking for him, but uh, connected with him, added him as a friend. He immediately accepted, and he's posted a lot of great pics of himself through his career, as well as a lot of um, uh, lady wrestlers, particularly Mexican lady wrestlers. Uh, so it's kind of, he's just kind of posted some pieces of history that weren't as familiar to me. Uh, but I, you know, after a while, um, Chad had challenged me to uh, to sign Nacho after he had signed someone else whom I don't believe we've announced, so I won't spoil that. Uh, yeah, so I, I reached out to him and gave my usual spiel that I've done for other legends, and he was very honored and, and very interested, thanked me for, for contacting him, so he signed right away. And, uh, uh, you know, we just, I, I, we announced it here on, on the podcast a while ago, uh, uh, we didn't have a, a set timeline for when we'd release him. So it worked out that for this uh, January Filsinger Games perennial, that it was a good exclusive release for you perennial attendees. Uh, I, the way Mike kind of phrased it on um, uh, King of Pro Wrestling podcast was it's kind of a, a non-essential card. Um, but after talking to Nacho, I think it's a very essential card. No? So th- just another good reason to attend the perennial this coming Saturday. Uh, as much as you're able to, just to get Nacho Barrera and your legends fed up. No, but seriously, he's a really kind gentleman. Um, very thankful, very honored to be getting a card. And uh, he's, uh, as, as uh, we've kind of described him before, he was definitely a enhancement talent. Um, worked in the AWA, the, the television studio show throughout the 70s and early 80s. Um, been in the ring with many of the top legends, not only legends in the game itself, but uh, a couple matches that I found with him against Hulk Hogan early in Hulk's career, a couple of handicap matches that he worked against the Hulkster and uh, just a, a very talented uh, enhancement guy. Um, definitely more of a, of a heel rule breaker type. So 
And uh, yes, Chad's waving at me. So I was just looking at the perennial schedule. Okay. Did you know that we're in a Legends trivia contest and <laughs> yes, you can test are. your now? Who the hell booked that? Nobody <laughs> asked me to be in a trivia contest. Well, I did. I, I I heard that on uh, on King of Pro Wrestling, and I'm like, did I hear that correctly, or did Mike misspeak? But apparently, no, yes, we're, we're going to challenge us. Oh boy. Well, it, don't ask me any questions about Nacho Barrera. <laughs> I've had too many concussions. Barrera, I can't I'm good work on. under pressure. And and yeah, anything past 2000 for me, you know, it's kind of iffy. Hmm. All right. Well, that's interesting. I just yeah. thought we could go over the 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 events of schedule and I was reading it for the first time and I just saw that. I'm like, what the hell? No, I heard it on King of Pro Wrestling as well. It, it, at first I saw it and I, I saw that there was a, a, a Legends trivia thing and I said, oh, that's good. Yeah. And I saw that it was test your knowledge against the Legends team. And I'm like, what? Yeah, we didn't sign a contract for that. No, yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't believe it. Unless I'm getting paid for that, I don't I don't yeah. <laughs> where, I believe where I believe is that our falls... agent? We're yeah, getting paid right. in Nacho Barrera cards, though. There you go. There you go. I and believe Barrera. that falls under a card subject to change. So exactly. I think it's no. other duties as assigned. There oh, you go. Uh, Duty. He, he. Okay. Well, I we'll go over the schedule later. I'm still reeling from this trivia announcement. Yeah. Yeah. So you better bone up. But uh, yeah, that's that's a, you know just a quick summary of Nacho. And as we talked about him before, he worked you know the Midwest, uh, Independence, and especially the Chicago area, um, beyond the AWA. So very friendly gentleman. Chad might have more memories of, of, of El Buen Nacho. Yeah. I mean, I just remember him from AWA also, you know, I've seen some matches on YouTube with him against Nick Bockwinkle and him against road warriors. So maybe Corey can post a couple of those in our thread on the discussion board. So other people can see the greatness of Nacho. Now my next challenge for young Corey Olson is to sign Either the Iron Duke, Jim Mitchell, who also was a referee, or Jimmy Dew. Oh. Just because I love his name. I was going to say the AWA, you know, one of the many things I loved about the AWA was their enhancement talent. You had such great catchy names Sodbuster, Kenny J, Jake the Milkman, Milliman, Jimmy Dew, um, obviously Nacho Barrera. A um, couple others that haven't been signed: Scrap Iron, George Gadas. Scrap Iron. That's what I was yep. trying to remember. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Se- several good, uh, good enhancement names. So I, I will do what I can to track down Jimmy Do. The other thing that was kind of funny is the AWA. You'd have young guys refereeing matches. So when Nick Bockwinkel beat Vern Gagne for the, uh, I'm just kidding. That's Gagne. Um, for the AWA title in 75, uh, the referee was Buddy Rose under his name, Paul Pershman. And then I've seen footage where like young Kurt Henning is a referee. So part of their training method was getting the young guys involved or the prelim guys, you know, sitting in the ring, observing as a referee to watch the match and, and to learn, learn the business. But then you also see guys like, Scrap Iron George Gadaski or Kenny Sodbuster J or, um, you know, Jim Mitchell, like I mentioned, refereeing matches too. So some of the preliminary guys would also referee matches. So it's, it's just kind of an interesting, I even saw a match the other day where Earthquake Ferris was the, the referee mm-hmm. and they even called him 
oh, referee, earthquake, Ferris, you know. So it was like as these young guys were kind of working their way in, they would um, officiate and, and kind of learn the business that way. And I'm sure that happened in other promotions. It's just that's the one I'm most familiar with. And I've seen that too in some of those later AWA years, like from the showboat. Um, you see guys like Jerry Sags of the Nasty Boys as a referee. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I've seen him, and he really, you know, he really stands out as a referee. Um, well, that's a, Earthquake Ferris was the same thing. The yeah. match I saw was also from the showboat, and obviously he's a strapping young feller. Mm-hmm. So, did Jerry Sags have his mohawk? I think he did. Yeah, he did. He, <laughs> yeah, and uh, later, even you know, even about '88, uh, Mean Mike Enos of the Destruction Crew. Uh, you mm, see him yeah. as a referee a few times. Another mm-hmm. one going back further was the Iron Sheik uh, with hair. Um, as uh, oh, yeah. Kazro Vaziri, his real name, um, mm-hmm. with the yeah, young a younger Iron Sheik. So, so Chad, is is Ganya going to become now the the Kraken? And that how do we pronounce this? It it might be. Yeah, because I, I know there was that shortstop for the Twins back right. in the day, Greg yep. Gagne. Right. Yeah. 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 Pronounced yeah. Gagne. It, yeah, so, but it's spelled the exact same way. It always made me chuckle as a wrestling fan and a Twins fan because yes. you had that interesting dichotomy. Yes. Well, very well. We're happy to have Nacho as part of the game. I know promoters will be overjoyed to receive his card as part of attending the 2021 Filsinger Games Perennial. Is that the official name? Uh, Coming up this Saturday, which we're all looking to be a part of. Still not quite sure about this Legends trivia test or quiz quiz, uh, or contest, whatever the heck they're calling it. We'll see if we'll show up with our A game or not. That remains to be seen. I'm guessing no. No Rory, I, go ahead, Chad. No, yeah, thumbs no. down. I, they could play no chance in hell when we made <laughs> it. Dang. It's about what we got. Yeah. Uh, Corey, I think we have our first audio comment from uh, one of our adoring fans. Is that correct? Yes, we do. And uh, I'm surprised that uh, I didn't realize that listeners and promoters were able to leave audio comments without me sharing the link directly. I guess I'm still learning how this Anchor uh, website works. Uh, but we have a longtime promoter and a longtime fan and friend of ours, Pete Beck, DK2 on the boards, uh, who left us this audio comment about one of our recent podcasts and about another podcast that Stu discussed. So let's listen to Pete now and his, his comments. Hey, so this is Pete. Uh, Pete Beck, you guys, I think, know me. Um, I just want to let you know that I just finished listening to the one with Mark Ashby on it, the episode with Mark Ashby on it, and Stu mentioned the uh, Busted Open podcast. Uh, If you didn't know, Busted Open is actually a show on satellite radio on XM uh, that they hold every day. Um, Dave LaGreca is the host. I, I listen to it. Every once in a while, I used to listen to when I was in the meeting all the time when I had had the ability to uh, when I was working. Um, but um, yeah, they have an actual daily show on XM Radio um, that that you can listen to, and they talk about all different kinds of stuff. But yeah, um, I know that Stu mentioned it, and I just wanted to let you guys know that it's not just a podcast; it's literally a, a daily wrestling show Monday through Saturday. Um, Bully Ray's the one of the co-hosts, and so is Mark Henry. Mark Henry appears on there periodically, uh, and Mark Henry does the Saturday show that they have. But yeah, just thought you guys should know that. It's kind of neat if you wanted to check it out. Take it easy. Bye. All right, Pete. Thank you so much for sending in that comment. And uh, promoters, we're going to share this uh, link from the Anchor website about how you can leave your comments for us. And we'll play them on the air here, too, especially with our uh, kind of main topic here today. Wonderful. It's nice to have Have a comment. You know, Pete, we really enjoyed your your, uh, comment, but... 
what I thought was humorous, and, and no, uh, you comment all about this busted open podcast, but you don't say dick about our show, Pete. Come on, man. No love there. He's going to go and bust it open and talk about uncharted territory. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's when we get our seventh country. Yeah. Pulling <laughs> yeah. well, for those U.S. majors, baby. Well, I did think this summer we could play the podcast for Mark Henry at the Hall of Fame, and then we'll have the Nation of Domination added to our country list. So perfect. There you go. That is perfect. 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 As well as hopefully get some real good guests during the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no offense need, to the guests who have been on this show, by the way. We need to get Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt would be Chad, Chad, that needs to be your, your next mission is get Thunderbolt on the podcast. Oh, I can make that happen, totally. Who are you guys? <laughs> Thunderbolt loves me. He does. I bet he does. He does. The 2021 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's award winners include former WWE and UFC star, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Former WWE champion and Olympic powerlifter, Mark Henry. Six-time former WWE women's champion, Trish Stratus. And the dean of professional wrestling, Gordon Soley. And this year's 2021 Hall of Fame class features Iowa's own Earl Wampler, former NWA World Tag Team Champion Don Kernodal, and former WWE Tag Team Champion and Manager Adnan Al Casey. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center. This card will be brought to you by Impact Pro Wrestling, one of the top independent promotions in the Midwest today. Come check out the Hall of Fame Classic Tournament. Featuring some of the top young wrestlers today, including Cole Cabana, Brian Pillman Jr., Madman Fulton, Dominic Garini, Gary J., Jeremy Wyatt, and more. And for the first time in Hall of Fame weekend history, a women's tournament will take place featuring Heather Monroe, Red Velvet, and Miranda Gordy. Meet several of the legends of wrestling's past, such as James J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, Sergeant Slaughter, and more. Also meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. For the complete list of guests, check out the Luthez George Tragos Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame page on Facebook. For all access passes, call 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the podcast notes. Again, that's 319-233-0745. The 22nd Annual George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. All right, gentlemen, let's get into our main event tonight, which should be a lot of fun. Um, And I'm just going to kind of open the floor to anybody who wants it. The the topic is, and we'd love to hear from promoters about this too, as uh, when we're done, you're welcome to comment or heck, leave us an audio comment. The topic is, Unique or special titles in your Fed? A, did you have any? And B, what were they? And how did you use it? Or how, what did uh, what did it recognize in your particular Fed and in, in your Fed's history? So there's a lot of different uh, special titles that have been used by other promoters over the years, and we thought it'd be a lot of fun to talk about the four of us here, what we have done, and uh, hopefully this will inspire some discussion amongst our fellow promoters about their special titles. So. With that said, guys, I'm just going to open the floor to whoever wants it. Uh, we'll just do an informal discussion and 
let's have at it with special titles among in your feds. Well, I'll get us started. Um, I had kind of suggested this topic uh, a while ago, um, and it was inspired by a couple of uh, promoters and some recent discussions. Uh, one was uh, Thomas Keene talking about um, uh, his friend and the uh, First Blood heavy metal title that he did with his original bootleg Dark Star creature character. I just thought that was an interesting discussion that Chad had with him. Um, from Dave, I'm sorry, Dave Seismanak was the one who did the Dark Star creature, but it was Thomas Keene who discussed him. And then uh, also the other topic was, uh, I believe it was Grant from the Filsinger Games fan podcast had posted about doing a TV title for his Legends Fed and you know, just suggestions on how to incorporate that. And that was a really interesting discussion to see how people, if they had had any kind of TV title, how they made it stand apart from other titles, you know, not just making it another singles title, whether they did a time limit gimmick or a beat the champ type of stipulation. Um, so thanks to you promoters for the idea. I thought it would be, be fun to discuss any ideas we've done and titles we've incorporated, good or bad in our Fed histories. So um, the first one on our list here is the heavy metal title. Uh, which was an official title in the super report and the well in the promoter i guess was it promoter. in the super report as as well I, no i think that was after the super report okay because um, okay. it was it was introduced in a set okay tom, yeah tom introduced it in that's like, right i had forgotten about that 94 yeah. 95 96 somewhere in there I okay think. it was okay. after sudden death or after okay. uh, war games i mean okay as usual, we've done a lot of research here on uncharted territory. Right, well, our crack yeah. staff is hard at it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was an official title in the promoter for many years in the in the '90s, and just kind of an interesting one as far as you know, a title always defended in cage matches. Um, it over time kind of morphed into the uh, special matches title. I, th I think it was called in the promoter. Uh, but just a really, you know, interesting title. There really wasn't anything like it in real life pro wrestling, as far as I'm aware at the time. Um, but, you know, I know I had that title for a while until I kind of transitioned into a, what I called the brass knucks title and, and no others. Chad used that title too. And I think Tim or Tim just called it special matches, I think. Um, but yeah, just a popular belt among a lot of promoters um, in that time frame. So feel free to chime in with any other memories or comments on the heavy metal titles. Yeah, I had a special matches championship too, Tim. Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say when when those first early newsletters that we've kind of been going through started coming out, I saw that all these people were doing like first blood cage matches and first blood cage champions, and I'm like, man, I want to do one of those. So that that's kind of how my special matches championship started out. Is it started out as like a first blood cage title, and then. I, I, I missed the newsletter that actually had the rules for the match. So I was just kind of figuring out and making my own stuff up as, as I went along as to what a first blood cage uh, match was. But, uh, and I know Actagon had a really great run uh, as champ, but I, uh, I kind of didn't enjoy it that much and, and just kind of discontinued it and then brought it back as a special matches title um, and that's, that's really something that, that mayhem just dominated in, in my GWF fed. Um, he was, he was the guy that if he wasn't the champion, you know, the, the, the person that had it was renting it because, you know, mayhem would come back and, and win. Um, and the one stipulation I always had on there just to try and get some longer title reigns is that the champion 
would determine the stipulation. So that way, if you had like a, a guy with a cage pin one, you'd, you'd pick some sort of cage match or, or something where the cage pin came into play. So that at least gave him a little bit of an advantage to try and keep the title, although that did turn over quite a bit as you would expect with a, with a title like that and the randomness of the charts. But, um, but that was a great title. It, it, I, I held on to that for, for a long time. It was a lot of fun. And, and like I said, Mayhem, Mayhem was one of the top guys. Um, Wolf got in there on that. Uh, I think Death's Head was actually in there, had a number of title reigns. I don't think any of them were extremely long. But, uh, but yeah, Mayhem was pretty much the dude when, when it came to the special, special matches title in my fed. Did y'all <clears throat> treat the special matches title slash heavy metal title as, was that the province of brawlers only, or did y'all have, I mean, Tim, you mentioned Actagon had held your special matches championship at one point. I used to, I used it mostly for brawlers, but I'd be interested in what y'all did. Great, Corey. For me, um, uh, my first heavy metal champ, as I've talked before, my, I started playing with classics 2079 and 2086. My first heavy metal champ was Mighty Grogan. Hmm. Um, so I, I kind of saw him as this, you know, uh, almost like a shoot fighter in a cage, you know, taking on these other brawlers. Um, when it was just them in the cage, you just out wrestle them, outpower them. Um, so I always kind of liked that, that aspect of it. And I know I had other guys um, along the way. I'd have, I didn't pull up my whole heavy metal history, but I kind of left it open to anybody who was, you know, say somebody was, say Kraken was the heavy metal champ, maybe Lord Nexus would challenge him because they were feuding or, you know, anything like that. It didn't necessarily have to be a, a brawler type um, with the later brass knucks slash special matches title. Um, I remember even like Alpha Force with his weaker card after losing the power um, would challenge for it. I, I don't remember if he actually held it, but uh, he was a he, he would get in there and, and challenge for it once in a while. So I kind of left it almost like a open challenge type of thing. Yeah, yeah I, did. Mine, I would oh, I would have different people in there too. I think you know Lord Nexus I think had a had a run. Justice had uh, had the best match in my Fed's history against Spike to win it. Um, so yeah, there, there, it, it wasn't all brawlers, but I mean, if you look at the list of champions, it's the guys that you would think of that, that weren't necessarily the wild and crazy guys, but, but, but also the guys that were like the, you know, the more badass uh, types that you would think would be in, uh, you know, matches like those. Yeah, I had commanders, Commander Sam and Mayhem and Wolf definitely stick out in my mind in terms of good runs as special matches champion, champion before I retired the belt. I, I did tend to lead, lend, uh, I, I thought it lended itself more to brawlers, at least in my world. So that's what I did, but it's cool that it didn't always for you guys. Yeah, I had shooters going after it too, because I, I remember Alpha Force holding my Brass Knucks title, which kind of morphed out of my heavy metal championship. But I remember Fury early on being a big kind of stud with that heavy metal title for me. I don't remember if he had two out of the rings or something. It was just facing the cage a lot or what his deal was. But Fury did well in that environment. My uh, last heavy metal champ before I made the brass ducks belt was Monad. Because on his first card, he had the pin of six, but then the cage of two. You know, he had that big difference. Um, so he won the heavy metal title. And then I did a, I don't know why I did this, if it was to purposely get the special matches title going but 
I had him leave and jump to my secondary fed with the belt and, um, and for about six months or so, kind of do a little, you know, thing where he had the belt with him. It wasn't officially recognized, but he went in there and, and got a big push. So while he was gone, the GWF brought in the Brass Knucks title. And then when he came back to the GWF, we, uh, the Brass Knucks champ was Vengeance. And I did a, a unification match kind of unofficially of the Brass Knucks and Heavy Metal belt. Um, I think I did a ladder match, actually, because uh, I thought, well, Heavy Metal can be ladder as well. So, um, so that was kind of, it was... There was a reason that they started a new championship, but then the histories kind of merged when Monad came back. Funny, just to, just bringing up Monad, and this is kind of off topic, but you know, par for the course for our podcast. Um, but uh, he, the the Cosmic Forces were actually my interplanetary tag champs uh, when Monad the Monad card came out. And I knew that card was coming out because I, I actually reviewed that. Uh, some of the cards for Tom just to take a look at him. He just wanted somebody to take a look at him and see what see what you know they thought. And so I knew that that this was happening, and um, I was really hoping that the Cosmic Forces would hold on to that title un until the card came out, and they did. They had a pretty good long run, and uh, and so then I just said, well, you've only got one guy. You can't. So I I wound up stripping the Cosmic Forces, aka Monad, of the title. Um, but yeah, that, that was just funny. That was the way Monad kind of made his debut in my Fed was, you know, he, he basically was the, he was the interplanetary tag champions uh, and, and got stripped of the belts. I think I had the same thing happen. And I, I think I let him pick like, I don't remember who he was kicking around with, maybe Tendron. And that was a really crappy tag team. And they <laughs> like lost the belts in their first defense or something. I, I had a similar I had a similar storyline and I'll talk about it as we go, get on to one of our other topics but yeah well speaking of tag teams uh how about uh I, I know these were probably popular and I can't remember if they were ever official I, I don't think they were but Corey I know you had six-man titles um certainly uh and did you did you employ these titles or use these titles under uh, lucha rules or was it a more traditional six man i did yeah so um at the time i, I introduced them so this is a, you know about 1996 and two years before that the triple a win worlds collide pay-per-view had been on and i just love that show and just kind of started a, a love of lucha i mean i'm not the biggest you know i'm not an expert on lucha but i just i like it um, and I just remember on that pay-per-view, they talked about how a lot of the times the six-man matches were under these captain's falls rules where you either had to pin the captain or the other two members of the team kind of basically eliminate them to win the match. And if it was a two out of three fall match, you had to win every fall that way. So I thought, I thought about doing six-man belts just because by this point, this is probably around the war games era, I think, of, of the GWF sets. You know, you had a bigger groups, you had a lot of teams and, and just so many characters. I thought it'd be kind of nice to do something where, you know, some other tag teams or, or super groups could have another belt. And where with my other titles, I probably had those defended twice in a, in a game month. This was not defend. This was defended once a month, just because I thought I didn't want, you know, uh, if you had a singles guy and a tag team, I wanted them to still have their singles and tag competition. But when I, yeah, when I introduced the belts, they were under Captain's Falls rules. Uh, my first champs were the Matador and the Keepers of the Stone. And um, 
you know, as I, as I look through the history here, I didn't have these belts for a long time, about a year and a half. And I think it just kind of, just kind of played out, just wasn't as, wasn't as fun anymore. Um, I talked a while ago about my gangsters team of sectarian and creeper. I see that they held the belts along with Tarak uh, for a short time in, in 97. And, um, and my last champions were grunge and the cosmic forces. And what happened was um, they got suspended for an attack on justice. They injured justice. And uh, when they came back, that's when the cosmic forces became monad. So I guess time-wise, it just kind of worked out and it was kind of a reason to strip them of the titles. And then the titles just kind of, kind of went away. Like I said, just kind of had played out a little bit, um, you know, wasn't as, as much of an interest anymore, but uh, it was, it was a fun title for a while there. And uh, just to, like I said, kind of got some gold on some other guys that might not uh, have regular or, or long reigns. No, that's cool. I, and, and I'm making that up. Was it ever official in the promoter? I seem to remember I have some vague memory that it was a there was a six man for a while. I, I feel like didn't the six man come out at the same time the heavy metal? Maybe I think, so. I think you might be right. I think might, there was. A, yeah, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I usually yeah. am. So. <laughs> and I'm damn humble about it. Or, or we'll did, just agree anyway because we're not sure either. So <laughs> sweet. <laughs> we'll get our research team on that as well. Yeah, yeah, there you go. After we hire a marketing department, there you go. <laughs> First, the agent. Well, that's cool. It, how about a women's championship? Um, I I had one for a very brief moment in time. I remember Amazonia was my women's champion that had the, I guess everybody had the feud with Thrash uh, with Amazonia, and now I mean I keep toying with bringing bringing it back given the uh, explosion in women's wrestling as of late, certainly on the modern scene. <laughs> Chad, Chad's showing his, showing his enthusiasm. No. <coughs> I, I tickle um, in the basement. Tickle in your throat. Tickle in my throat, yeah. So uh-huh. I see. Uh, so I toy with bringing it back, and there's certainly more women's wrestlers now that we can utilize, and, but it just never caught on really for me. How about you guys? Did you, I know, Corey, you had one, uh, or had two, I guess, one in GWF and the CPC. Well, actually, um, uh, what it was is I had a GWF title first, and uh, as we got some more women wrestlers, either from bootlegs, like our own NGO characters, um, I, I made a couple of uh, uh, women's wrestlers myself, um, and, and some of the other sets like the CPC and some of those kind of extra sets like the Son of Bash and those characters who were kind of unofficial, but you know, or official, but not really in the storylines. Um, I wanted to, you know, I wasn't a big fan that I wanted to do two women's titles, but I thought, well, you know, there's just enough wrestlers between these two feds that they should just share a title. So at some point um, I had um, Tycon, the character from one of those bash sets uh, come in and she was, I think I had her wrestling in the CPC and she came in uh, to challenge in the GWF and won the title. And then it just kind of became a title where it could be defended in both promotions. And it was even implied that they went to some of these smaller promotions around the galaxy and defended the title. So it was really kind of your top women's prize in the whole galaxy at the time. Um, it was, and it was, there were some fun matches that, you know, I might not do otherwise, but um, yeah, that was just, just a kind of a traveling title um, that I did un- until I kind of stopped playing champions of the galaxy. Cool. Did Tim, Chad, did y'all ever have women's championships or no? I think I might have done something similar to Corey. I don't know, Corey, do you remember if I did that? I don't remember if I had a, like, kind of the same thing where it fluctuated between 
my GWF and CWA. Yeah, I feel like you did it at some point there when we got a, a good number of women's wrestlers in all the various uh, sets. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, I ever, but I don't think I ever had a women's champion. I'm, I I might have brought them in for some shows here and there, but I, I they were kind of like a you know kind of like a special attraction, but but I I never really had a a, a title uh, for the for the women. Yeah, definitely in legends. I would bring in like a women's champ, but it's not really. You know, it's just the world women's champ. It's not affiliated with one promotion yeah. or anything. Um, as kind of a special attraction, like Tim said, like Andre the Giant or something, you know, because that's just what. There's a lot of times when I'm watching the WWE shows, especially like the pay-per-views or whatever they're called anymore, and the women are having the best matches on the show, hands down. By far, easily. You see Charlotte in there or Becky Lynch, you know, before before she became a mom or, or Bailey and Sasha. They're having fantastic matches. They are, and I mean, still in the show. Right? A couple occasions that I've seen. So yeah, I mean, the, the caliber of women's wrestler wrestling certainly in this country has grown exponentially. Absolutely, Corey. I believe you also had in your CPC uh, kind of dovetailing on our discussion of heavy metal and special matches a hardcore title. Tell us about that. Was that uh, how was that unique for you? Well, you know, I wanted to kind of set it apart from the GWF Brass Knucks special matches title. I didn't want it just to, you know, I didn't want the CPC to have all the same belts as the GWF and just be kind of a, a copy. I wanted there to be some uniqueness. My CPC, you know, while I used a lot of the official characters that Mark put out, that was also the place where I brought in a lot of bootlegs, whether RNGO guys or a lot of other quality bootlegs that were out at the time. Um, so I, it was kind of this... Um, if the GWF were the WWF in the 80s and early 90s, you know, this was kind of your, your Jim Crockett promotions, NWA, um, almost a place, and even to some extent, a tiny bit of ECW as far as like, these are the guys that are too, I don't want to say extreme for, for GWF, but just kind of too, you know, they're not, I don't know, they're not going to be kissing babies and, and things like that. So, you know, just to, just kind of these, the guys that the GWF is almost afraid to, to hire or book. Um, so my CPC hardcore title, uh, pretty much from the start, as far as my notes that I found, um, I had a stipulation and this was based off the WWF hardcore title of around 2000, 2001, where there was a 24 seven rule. And I even, I made a chart, uh, where, and it was kind of inspired by splatters, uh, lottery chart, where if a hardcore title match ended on a roll of two, four or seven, uh, somebody could roll on this chart and they could attack the champion. Um, it could even occur in the middle of a match on a pinfall attempt as that that's how it happened in the WWF um, at the time. And of course now they have their 24 seven belt and, and you know, a lot of the times with the original hardcore belt, it was kind of meant for comedy, but I, I meant this as, you know, just wild brawlers who just, they wanted championships. They were going to take advantage of any time in a match where um they could jump in and attack somebody. Uh, those who are familiar with our NGO sets. So Incubus, who was a vampire character that we had, uh, was wrestling Mr. Frost, who was Mr. Hoffa's bodyguard. Uh, Incubus was defending the title against Mr. Frost. And in the middle of the match, the NGO code enforcer, who was a uh, mini person, uh, came in <laughs> and attacked with his crowbar, not a tire iron, but with his crowbar, <laughs> and, uh, and won the championship. So the NGO code enforcer held it for a few weeks Eventually lost it to another NGO character, Pat Crace, who was a, a rule-breaking shoot fighter. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that was just a, just something unique I wanted uh, to incorporate um, to make that title stand apart from the GWF's Brass Knucks title. And uh, again, I had a chart for it. Uh, maybe that's something that I could find. And I don't know if we ever released it in one of the NGO handbooks. Uh, we did. It was just, did we? Okay, okay. Well, we did, in 2001, we did an update because we didn't do a set that year. Right, we right. we released the 24-7 chart. So I that's right. If if we just took yours and, and released it or if yeah. if the NGO one was for I don't remember. It was it was um yeah, we kind of just left it as as like a we didn't say CPC hardcore title. We just right. said, you know, if you have a hardcore title and want to you know make it a little more interesting in your fed, that's how we kind of worded it on the chart. So maybe yeah. we can find that and post that on the on the board one day. Oh yeah, I know where that is. Okay, excellent. So yeah, that was that was just a like I said, just a way to uh, make it, you know, I, I did the most matches were under false count anywhere rules. Um, but that was just, uh, something else that was that, uh, that made it stand apart. Excellent. Now, Chad, you had a plethora of special matches in your, your now legendary CWA fed. And legendary I thought we'd in my own mind. In, in legendary in mine as well. I thought we'd uh, tick through some of these and have you discuss your thoughts behind them. Um, you had you you did have a cruiserweight championship, is that correct? Which might have yeah. morphed into something else. Well, I had a cruiserweight championship, and Corey said I had it before WCW had theirs, but which I mean is true because I had it from the outset of the promotion. But I don't know where the hell I got that title. Oh, I, I think. Now, I may be wrong, but I, I seem to recall that you called it maybe a junior heavyweight or light heavyweight first, but then there was a time period where WCW was teasing this cruiserweight division yeah. that would kind of come and go for about almost two years. Like right. the name was the name was floating out there. And so I wondered if you picked up on that and, and used it. I, I Again, my timing. That's, well, yeah, because I just looked up and the WCW cruiserweight title started in 96. And I think it might have been a junior heavyweight title at first, but I definitely remember reading in the Observer that they were toying with using that name, so that must be must be where I stole it. So yeah, so as and that was a great belt because my GWF didn't have it, so that's what kind of set the CWAs apart that that, that they had all the high flowers and stuff. And then what would have happened, except I stopped playing, was I was going to change it into more like an X division type title where it's more the style not the weight class because I, I did really like that. So you could have a guy like Samoa Joe fighting in the X division. And I was going to change the name to the, un, the unlimited class championship, but I quit playing. So maybe someday. Um, I go and ring crew. I know. God, it just, <laughs> you know, they're a union outfit. So it affected both federations. <laughs> so Tim Corey, did y'all have any kind of junior heavyweight high flying slash whatever you want to call it? Uh, championship. I, you know, I, I didn't in my GWF, but late in my my playing career uh, on the champion side, I, I split off a Colby fed called Cash, uh, which was Colby's Action Sports Heroes. Nice. And in there, I, I did actually have a, a I did a junior heavyweight tournament. Uh, that was won by skinhead who had jumped from the GWF uh, and had a vacate. He was my special matches champion in the GWF jumped and, and, and had a, and, and had a vacate that title. 
Um, but he he won a tournament final over El Pantera Negro, my Stu, who was my uh, bootleg creation, not Paul Barnes. It wasn't Paul Barnes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not that I hold a grudge or anything. No, no. You know what? Paul Barnes had a better marketing department. That's why Stuart <laughs> believes that. Just he did. want to throw that in. He did. He got his name on the front of the card. I only got my name on the back. That's <laughs> why. So, um, but but he won a tournament final over El Pinto. And, and this fed only lasted about 20 cards because that's when I stopped playing. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, uh, he held it for a majority and then lost it to, to El Pantera Negro. And then I want to say that there was one other champion after that, um, right near the end, uh, somebody won it. Let me see if I can find that quick. Oh, it was Grunge, actually, uh, wound up winning it, like right at the, the end of the Fed. Um, but yeah, so I, that was my, and I called it junior heavyweight because I just like more the old school, um, you know, approach than, than calling it cruiserweight. Um, or light heavyweight or anything like that so I just called it junior heavyweight but yeah so that's but I didn't have anything in my GWF like that and and really didn't do anything in my in my legends fed uh, with that either and I yeah I had one in my my secondary fed so before I did a CPC I, my secondary fed was the AFW uh, based off Terminus and his title and and that whole thing I just I like the fact that he was this champion before he came to the GWF so I built a whole fed around him before I brought him to the GWF and that was after the uh, the sudden the first sudden death, and a lot of guys had been banished. So it was kind of made up of banished guys, guys that weren't in Tom's official storylines, bootlegs, just kind of a mix of guys. Um, so initially, I had an AFW cruiserweight title, and I had a lot of the lucha characters, whether official or or bootleg, like Tim's El Pantera Negro was a five time or six time champ, excuse me. Uh, I used I had Enigma come over, um, even times when he was in the GWF, I brought him over. Uh, to the AFW, and I just wanted him there uh, wrestling for the title. Some of our um, NGO characters like Akuma and the Suicide Kid uh, held that title. And then when I did eventually start a, a CPC, um, it was after the, uh, uh, when, when wrestling was banned in the end series, I, I did the thing where the CPC went underground and took a lot of those AFW guys. And um, a lot of the titles that the AFW had sanctioned, the CPC just kind of did as well. So never had one in the GWF. And again, like I said, I would use some official GWF guys that were good cruiserweights like Enigma. Um, Enigma, according to my notes, was my last CPC cruiserweight champ when I stopped playing. But uh, I always loved, I remember a match where Enigma, so Enigma's, I think it was his last card. He had a finisher mechanic where he could miss the dive outside the ring and or, or, or actually both guys would get wiped out and there'd be a double count out. I think it was like on a roll of 12 or something. And I remember a three-way match where that happened. And I think, I can't remember how I booked it either. All three guys got counted out or two of the guys got Enigma and the other guy got counted out and whoever was left won the match by count out. But because it was a title match, he couldn't win the belt. Um, and it led to a, a rematch with those three. And it was it just, I just remember it was just kind of an interesting finish based off that cool finisher mechanic. So, um, so yeah, I did, I definitely had one. I even, my last couple of years of playing in the CPC, I did a, a cruiserweight tournament uh, similar to the New Japan inspired ones, like the, the top of the super juniors and all that. Um, and it was a round robin style where you had two brackets. And uh, I would even bring in guys who I wasn't using in the CPC as like these, outsiders or these you know guys from independent feds 
trying to get a shot at this uh, top cruiser rate prize in the galaxy. So I, I, I always had a lot of, if you want to call them good work rate matches uh, for that title. So I, I, I enjoyed having that title. Excellent. Chad, I want to hit on a couple of championships that you had in your CWA. <clears throat> First off was your Cosmos Tag Team Championship. We had a unique stipulation for that. And then your main belt, the CWA Grand Prix title, which was your main heavyweight championship. That also had a stip. Can you uh, go over those two for the listening audience, sir? Sure. So when I put together the CWA and, and Tim and I, this was probably the first joint project we ever worked on where um, I had this idea. I was really, it was like, whenever sudden death came out, you know, these guys were exiled. I'm like, well, some of these guys I'd like to keep using. And at the same time, I was very much into FMW and wing and the garbage wrestling in Japan. So and it seemed like a lot of those titles in Japan, especially in the smaller promotions, were kind of niche things. So, and I liked the IWGP. I liked the Grand Prix part of that. I thought that was a cool name. So the CWA Grand Prix title was the main belt in my federation. And it was um, a special matches title, basically. So I didn't have just like a traditional heavyweight championship, but it led to some cool stuff like, you know, Mighty Grogan was a champion and all these guys who were brawlers or shooters or whatever held that title. So every, every match was um, a special match. And then with the, the tag team championship, I also thought it was cool when you had a federation where the heavyweight title and the tag team title had different names. It was just, you know, not world tag team championship or us or national or whatever. So I don't know. I just came up with Cosmos from, I'm sure somebody had a Cosmos championship. Ashby might've had one along the long line or something. And I'm like, what do I want to do about this to make a difference? I'm like, Oh, it's, a, I decided it was always going to be defended in two out of three falls matches. And that was just because I always liked watching those, you know, as a throwback and, I just thought that was kind of cool. So probably the only time it wasn't, um, you know, if I had it in some crazy step, like I don't remember if I ever had it defended in a cage match, but it might not have been two out of three falls then. Um, or I don't think I did a scaffold match, but I don't think I would have <laughs> two out of three falls scaffold match. Although I think... I've seen one that I was just gonna say they that's how they did the original ones in uh, in yeah. the Tennessee territory. Yeah, Bill Dundee and Coco was two out of three falls, and it's like you get pitched off the scaffold, you gotta climb back up there. So, um, yeah, boy, we took a segue there. Sorry, uh, but that's how that went. And, and sometime we'll tell the story of the CWA and how that came to be because it was a pretty cool gimmick and stuff. That you know, I had this rough idea, but Tim really did an awesome job of writing the backstory and. We had some collaboration where he'd run some shows sometimes, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that was a that was a long phone call. I I remember one time <laughs> where you, where you kind of I said, well, you know, I'm kind of doing this, and you said I'm kind of doing that, and then we just kind of expanded, and it, it, it all kind of came together. So I mean that uh, yeah, that was a great joint project that worked out really well. Yeah, and so it made for some Galacticon memories too, because I remember yeah. people being crowded around a table watching as we were you know, playing out some of these, uh, some of these matches when, when we were down there too. So. Yeah. 
Yep. And a lot of the guys in there at first were like the guys who left from sudden death, except like I didn't, I thought Massive would be a GWF purist. So he didn't go. And, but then like some of our NGO guys and like El Pantera Negro, who was brilliantly devised by Paul Barnes and then gifted to Tim Dalton. <laughs> you already here, folks. And, you know, a lot of the classics guys, you know, you got the cool guys in those classics sets. Like, well, I want to use some of these guys. So, Sin and Salvation and the um, the Historians. I mean, the rock guys, they're probably still in their prime, you know? Yeah. So I, I had no problem bringing them in. And some of the guys like... Janice was for Janice or whatever. Wasn't he one of your stars? He was, yeah, as like the as it kind of further morphed and the CPC became separate. I never did a CPC because basically the CWA was also created by Magnus Colby. So I didn't. But yeah, Janus went there. Him and um, Nefaris had an awesome feud for the title. But even before that, you know, sometimes I'd bring in guys like K.O. Keller. For whatever reason, I decided to make him his son or his nephew. Or, and Torn Kalem Jr. wrestled in the CWA. And it was just a lot of fun using some of those cards. And all the 3,000 guys, Infinity, Infinity, Plex came in. And yeah, we were we were definitely Disney. ahead of the curve on the the Colby starts his own Fed thing. Then. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we lent it to Tom. Don't worry. Like yeah. <laughs> but it just and it, it kind of goes with the cruiserweight cool. thing too about how I wanted to have titles that were unique to that federation and not just have the GWF champion and the CWA Galaxian champion and have everything be equal. It's like let's make it a lot different. And just have that diversity. And, the, and, you know, kind of as a result, you'd have probably different fan bases because they presented different action, you know. But I do have to say, when, when Tim made Colby action superheroes or whatever it was. It, was, it actually, I, I, I checked. I, I, I think it started out as Colby action sports heroes, but then I changed it to Colby absolute sports heroes. Okay. Uh, so, I, uh, I love that name because it was very Japan-like. Like, it, you know, it was. That was kind of my... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that's a that. good name. Yeah. yeah, it was like war, you know, yep. or some of those that they did. So yep, yep. Rings. That mm-hmm. you know, yep. rings stood for international new gladiators or something like that, as I recall. What was war was wrestling and romance or something like Correct. that? Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was bizarre. Kind of, I mean, I wasn't saying it was a good name, it was just different. Yes. It was. Well, tell us the story behind the uh I know there was a famed Galacticon tournament with Tim, Steve Minskoff, and Chad. What is the story behind the six-man elimination tag team championship? Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I think I, I think what happened was, and I think this is how the whole six-man thing kind of came up, was that it started becoming more and more of a thing, um, you know, with, with the Von Erichs and the Freebirds down in Texas, and then the NWA coming up with their uh, – their six-man titles and you would see like the road warriors and dusty and and things like that and um and i think when when they said hey we're going to do this new six-man uh tag championship we uh we we just kind of said you know well geez you know we're here we're at galacticon let's let's just do our own little tournament of the guys and and you know, whoever wins will be the champions, the initial champions in all our feds. So that was kind of, we sat around and I think, um, I want to say in one of the GWF files, I think there's a picture 
of, uh, of all of us sitting around the table when we were uh, actually playing that out. Um, and, uh, but it was, it, it, it was fun. It was, it, it was a lot of fun when it started and it, it, it quickly fell out of favor for me uh, because I, I was not a big fan of the title because it seemed like it tied up. I, I wouldn't, in my fed, you couldn't hold two different titles. So if you had a major tag team involved in, in as six man champs, they couldn't go after the tag titles and the same for a singles championship. And so it, it just wound up where, you know, it would start out with the teams like, you know, the gladiators and war and, and that's kind of how everything kind of started. And then it would kind of go to, you know, a few different guys, maybe within the same group. And then my last champions, I was, I was trying to keep the, uh, uh, some, an, like an anti-men group as champ. And then I think it was uh, Viper, Hydra, not even Demon and Hydra, just Hydra, uh, and Suyoi, who was one of our uh, NGO guys, they won it. And at that point, I'm like, man, I just cannot get anybody to hang on to this thing. And I said, the hell with it. So I, I just discontinued the title after that because it just, it, 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 it was just tying me up in, in too many other areas. But yeah, but that's, that's, that's kind of how it started and, and how we, how we got into, uh, uh, doing that at Galacticon. And I loved Tim's teams because they were at those at the end because they were like the makeshift ones that you'd see in war where it was like Bob Backlund, Warlord, and B. Brian Blair. Because, you know, again, war only had six-man tag titles at first. They didn't have they didn't have a heavyweight championship. And after a while, they got a uh, junior heavyweight championship. But And, and maybe, I don't remember, when mine morphed into elimination matches did we originally have that when we set up those title tim do you remember i i don't recall i was trying to go back through some of my notes and i i uh and just based on a, a couple of the initial things i couldn't really tell if i used the elimination rules or not um but it it, it was just all bad so you know it, after a while so it just didn't matter whether i did just a straight I, I did have a rule in six-man matches, though, where everybody had to be in the ring before the pinfall happened. Yeah, when you told me about that, I adopted that because otherwise you'd have stupid matches. But at some point, I think I added mine to have an elimination stipulation, too, which only drug things out. Yeah, yeah. Those were yeah, some no, I, matches. That, that, didn't, that didn't stay around. If I look at my, my history here, that came in on card 120, uh, that I had and was discontinued by card 192 and it was not defended that often either so um, um, and it, it seems like the only two teams that were able to hold on to it for a while were Spite Brute and, Brute and Massacre and then uh, uh, Quasar Dragon Master and Lord Nexus were the only two teams mm -hmm. that ever held it for any length of time awesome team mm -hmm. so but uh, but yeah I, I, I just yeah I, I just it just handcuffed me uh so I, I i just said i had to get rid of it excellent thank you on that gentlemen uh tim you had a television title i believe and i guess that was your gwf tell us a little bit more about that yeah so i you know that was something that i came up with later on um probably geez i don't i'm not even sure what year it was but i, I wanted a, a title because i felt like some of the undercard guys the guys that were uh 
you know, not statted that highly, we're never going to hold titles. And so I said, well, let me give those guys something to fight over. And so I created this TV title and, and it was really just, you know, there, there were no raw ratings or anything like that. It's just the guys that I thought weren't, you know, top of the card type guys that, that were mid-level or lower were the guys that were going to compete for this. Um, and so I started it and, and it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we had, you know, it, it was just, I remember talking about, about it with different people, but I mean, you'd see like antimatter was my first champ. Uh, and then people like vanity and killer queen and Gemini, uh, the Draco, the original draconian sheet card that was the giveaway card. Um, in the, or the, 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 the promoter uh, available card. Pharaoh uh, Ketty had a 49 card run as champ. So, I mean, you just had all these people that were, you know, otherwise not probably going to do much of anything. And it, it gave them a reason to just kind of, you know, gave them something to, to kind of a, a carrot to chase, so to speak. Uh, so I liked having that. It was a lot of fun and, and it, it made for some unusual matches and some unusual champs. So that, that was a lot of fun to, to, to do. Chad, Corey, did y'all have any kind of tertiary level, uh, TV, TV type title? Look that up in the dictionary boys. <laughs> I, I, know I know what, what that, that means. means. I know. I no, I totally stole that from Tim and, and created my own because of, I thought it was a cool idea. And I remember for me, Dynamo was a really consistent tv champion and who else god damn holy smokes yeah uh, yeah just guys like that and and i really liked it and again i liked having the difference in titles between my two feds so that's why like i had a six-man title in gwf and that tv belt so it just wasn't all the same you know but i i loved tim's idea of doing that and um I, I I remember the long, impressive reign of Pharaoh Keddy. <laughs> Gotten about the good Pharaoh. <laughs> I uh, I never had it one. I I liked how Tim and Chad did that, but I I kind of used those guys um, of that level. Tried to have them compete for the the brass knucks belt. Um, I always enjoyed you know a match like uh, you know Vanity against um you know u.s patriot the original u.s patriot card or adam blast um you know it, obviously if you've got them fighting star warrior and thantos it's not going to be that competitive but you put them against each other and it's a lot of fun so to have something a little more at stake was kind of kind of a neat thing so um i you know guys like mutant would challenge for my my either heavy metal or brass knucks title depending on the era um one quick storyline i had mutant receive a shot at the brass knucks title because he was the one who killed dreadnought and yeah. so uh you know mutant uh received the title shot from um commissioner cordanus uh, because cordanus felt sorry for mutant he said mutant felt sympathy for killing dreadnought and uh to favor mutant he gave him a a special match or brass knucks title shot and, and mutant won the belt he didn't hold it very long unfortunately but that was a, a little storyline I, I tied in there you know, as, as for me, I had a lot or had a lot of similar titles, what you guys did. Uh, the I had a TV title for a little while, lost interest in that. I never had a six man title. I did have I went through a phase, uh, as I was telling the guys before the show, went through a phase where I was watching a lot of stampede wrestling uh, and got into the middleweight championship. I can't even remember the weight classification that I had for that, but uh, it was above 
225s. I did have a junior heavyweight championship for a long time at 225 and under, which is basically just a high flyers championship. But I had a middleweight championship for a while and was strongly considering trying to do a whole full-blown weight class type structure that, uh, but I never, I never did it. And I, I it just, weight classes worked in boxing, but for me in wrestling, other than if you're over in Europe or, or a big fan of British wrestling, it just didn't work for me. I like the the magic of uh, the small guys having a chance to win the heavyweight belt in a wrestling federation. That always appealed to me in terms of wrestling. So I scrapped the middleweight championship as quickly as I scrapped watching all of those awful stampede wrestling VHS tapes. But uh, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, promoters, we strongly encourage each and every one of you to send in audio clips if you uh, are if you so desire, or if you're comfortable with doing so to Anchor, which I believe will be in the show notes, Corey, is that correct? Yeah, so. I'll put the, uh, yes. put the directions uh, in, the sh- in the show notes, and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys directly. I mean, you're welcome to chime in on the discussion board, too, but, uh, you know, if, you, if you're willing to record some audio and you don't mind, we'll, we'll play your audio in future episodes. Perfect. That sounds like a lot of fun. Please send in your unique titles and your special titles that you had in your feds histories. Uh, we'd love to hear them. With that, gentlemen, thought we'd go around the room for any uh, special shout outs, any announcements you guys want to make. Uh, we're keeping next week's topic closely guarded under wraps. It'll be a surprise episode. So be sure to tune in next week for another spine tingling episode. We're just going to save the topic for you to surprise you all. Uh, Corey, you're up first, sir. I've got uh, two announcements to make, actually. Um, so. To clarify, the United States minor outlying islands <laughs> consist of Baker Island, Howland Island, Jarvis Island, Johnston Atoll, Kingman Reef, Midway Atoll, Palmyra Atoll, Wake Atoll, and the Navassa Island. So if you've been on any of those islands in the last few months, uh, please let us know, and uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. And thank you for listening while on a tropical island. And also, <laughs> and I'm going to en- enter in some, uh, some audio. Tra- okay, Chad, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, no offense to anybody on those islands. Has anyone on this podcast ever heard of any of those islands? Midway Atoll. Midway Atoll. Midway Midway Island, that's different, isn't it? I don't know. That's a good question. Let us know, promoters. (laughs) (laughs) Or or we'll do some research or we'll hire our interns. We need an intern to (laughs) do all this shit we don't want to (laughs) do. Oh, my. Oh. So, okay, sorry. I just I'm not slandering those islands. I'm just like I've never heard of these places. Maybe that yeah. I want to see what the major ones are because maybe we've heard of those. Oh, yeah. he's like the majors you know, better. If we did have an intern, they could bring Stu his eggnog. They that could. Is true. They, that is could. True. they could. I, I guess would, I really need that. Since it's not in the minor islands, I'm hoping Fantasy Island is one of the major outlying islands. <laughs> it should be. It should it's be. It's next to Gilligan's Island, I believe. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. What a thing. <laughs> Add Temptation oh. Island. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but no, I have a breaking announcement to make. Um, since it was asked earlier, and I'm going to inter- insert a breaking announcement transition right about here. Um, it was asked earlier about our countries. We have a seventh country that's been listened to us, and that is Germany. Holy so, smokes! Oh, uh, that's for, awesome. For our listener or listeners in Germany, vielen Dank um unser Audio zu hören. Excellent. Having, 
Corey teaches German. He could just translate the whole damn thing for that person. <laughs> Jesus program is scheiser. And that's well, no I mean, U.S. Yeah. minor islands, baby. That's Germany. No, I think I think they speak uh, German in Baker Island too. So you <laughs> probably, probably. And they Baker Island, but but the uh, at all. Yes, but uh, yeah, if you are the promoter or promoters in Deutschland, please uh, send us a message. And I mean that that that's awesome to add that to the list. I've spent time in in Germany, love the country, so thank you for for listening. I I, awesome. I do remember on a on a printer I used to I, I used to have to repair a lot. Uh, it used to say Achtung Heiss as one of the uh, the languages in there because the 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 piece was hot. Yes. So it, it would and it said attention hot and then said the same thing in about three different languages. <laughs> that, that's about the extent of my German. Though. <laughs> Tim, any more while we have while you have the floor? Any more shout outs from you? No, I just want to say go Bills. Uh, hopefully they they keep it up. I know it's. Uh, it's amazing how this city is, you know, just kind of geared uh, around that, the football team. And, and you can always tell just the, the mood of the city is different after a win. And, and hopefully if they can make it, uh, uh, you know, past, past Kansas City, that would be fantastic. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. But I, uh, I hope that they, uh, they, they can get the job done. So we'll, we'll find out next week. Excellent. Me too. I'm rooting for them. Chad, anything from you, sir? I'd like to give a shout out to Pike Mojo. I haven't done that in a while, and I don't want him to feel neglected or unloved. He's going to be, uh, um, what am I trying to say? He's had some signings for our, our first legend set of the year that will be unveiled at the Phil Singer Games Perennial 2021 this Saturday. And you can play the Legends team and play chump, Stump the Chump. Um, and destroy us. Yeah. Also, I want to give a shout out to um, Slim on the board. He sends Corey and I some bootlegs to, yes. to uh, review, and he puts so much thought into his bootlegs. <laughs> they are awesome. I love it. Yes. He'll send yes. us like five versions of the same guy because he just wants to get them perfect, and yes. and they're well thought out and they're well structured. I just really enjoy reading over that. Yeah, and um, also shout out to Jared. He sent us some stuff to look at recently, and that was really, yep. really good too. It's it's so cool to see that, you know, people put such good thought into their bootlegs and stuff, and yes. it, it brings a tear to my eye because I enjoy that, and it, it's good to see people. You know, they're just enjoying doing what we do and, and statting yeah. out the cards and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll second that for Slim and Jared, um, and they they put artwork to theirs, and it's just great quality. Uh, stats you can tell that they're they care about it and uh, yeah seriously slim, slim will send us four or five versions of, of one guy and kind of say okay what's the best one and sometimes we we say well i kind of like b and d can we combine them and uh but no he, he does a great job just spends tons of time tons of research so well done guys keep it up that's awesome well, as for me, you know, Germany, we love having you, but you're just a Johnny come lately. Denmark's where it's at. And good night, Denmark. And with that, gentlemen, that concludes our episode. Thank you all, promoters, for listening. And again, promoters, we want to encourage you all to send in your unique titles and special matches in your Fed's history right to Anchor using the link in the show notes. Look forward to hearing all about those. Thanks for listening, guys, and good night.